Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So, this week, um, instead of just doing the normal Torah portion, there's only two Torah left here because of the way that the cycle goes. Ending on... End of um, the holidays. There's uh, only this week and next week before the cycle is over. So, um, but what I want to do today is talk about a little bit of what we talked about on the mountain. Something short and chaotic, but when we did uh, Yom Teruah, we talk about Yom Teruah. And, um, and then I might, I don't, there's, um, one more Shabbat in between now and Yom Kippur, and so if I don't end up talking about that, um, I don't know, maybe I'll put something up on the website about that, about Yom Kippur, but, um, so, if you want, what we're going to do is we're going to start, it's all important, which is where we started, where we started up on the mountain that. And it's a psalm uh, that talks about Yom Teruah and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Huh? Talking about Yom Teruah. Piece, piece of trouble. Well, the reason I'm asking is I had a note from a couple of different sources. One said it's not made one has to do with peace of tabernacle. Another one said it has to do with peace of Passover. Yeah, there's debate about it, but it's about it, it has to do with tabernacle. Some people think that incorrectly that it has to do with um, um, uh, Passover, or that it has to do with tabernacles, and those are all good guesses, but it has to do with um, uh, Yom, Yom Teruah, because it's the only one that you blow a trumpet in the new moon, in the day that there's a festival actually on the new moon. Everything else is on, like Passover is on the full moon, um, uh, Scoat's on the full moon, um, before it's 10 days after the new moon. And so, Yom Teruah is the only day that's on the new moon, which is significant, and we're going to talk about that. Why? Because uh, it all ties into things that Yeshua said, things that you read the prophets, uh, and um, what it's supposed to remind us of. So, all right, let's pray, and we'll get into this. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you for this day. And for your word, and for this time we're going to come together on Shabbat to read it and to uh, learn from it. Thank you for your fall holidays and that you provide food for us even here in the exile every year. And, uh, thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.
That's the other thing I want to bring up, too, is that the fall holidays, we seem very disconnected from uh, the importance of them or, you know, what we're supposed to do for them. You know, we, at least for me, anyway, I feel very kind of disconnected. Used to, not so much anymore from these holidays because we don't live in an agrarian society anymore, or most of us don't. Some people are still farmers, such as our friend Simon, who lives in town. And so their lives are dictated very much by the change of the seasons and the temperatures and the rains and what happens in the environment. And all of that's directly controlled and orchestrated by God, especially in the land of Israel because he told them, you're going into a land that's not watered by irrigation canals like you had when you lived in Egypt that you could manually control. It is uh, watered by the rain, which comes from me. You obey me and you keep my commandments and you're good to the poor and the fatherless and the widow and you take care of the Levite and you observe the year of Jubilee, it'll rain and you'll eat and you'll live. If you don't, you'll die. You know, I won't send rain. And the land will spew you out of its mouth. All the same principles apply everywhere we live. We figure out clever ways around them, as in, in like in Israel with you know drip irrigation and things like that. None of which are wrong, but they shouldn't be used as ways around, yeah, to circumnet, circum, uh, cir- usurp uh, obeying God, which is what we tend to do. We put up greenhouses. Nothing wrong with greenhouses, but you know we fill up all these clever ways to uh, get food. We have international shipment of food, so well, if it doesn't rain here, well, that's raining somewhere else, and so we can get food from somewhere else, and so we live detached from this this idea and this feeling of hanging by a thread of will the crops grow, will the pestilence stay away so that we'll have food to eat for the next year. And it's all intricately tied into that. And so that's what the fall holidays are. They're around, especially this, the, these ones, the fall harvest. And so Yom Teruah means the day of blowing or a day of blasting or loud noise. And it is uh, a call to attention and a call to remembrance for us. And it's going to, as we're going to see, it's going to bring us back to the mountain. Because that's what everything in the Bible is constantly reminding us of. Is what I took you out of Egypt. I brought you to the mountain. I gave you my instructions. I wed you to myself. You are now my people. You are now my children. This is now your instructions and your heritage. The festivals... And they're to remind you of all these things because we tend to always forget every generation. So we have to be reminded every generation. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so if you want to go to Leviticus 20, or no, we got to read Psalm 81. Okay, Psalm 81, sing aloud unto God our strength. That's right. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon at the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel and a law for the God of Jacob, of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden, and his hands were delivered from the pots. Thou calledst in trouble, and I delivered thee, and answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O is Excuse me, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, 
There shall be no strange God, and neither shall thou worship any strange God. I am Yehovah thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken unto my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts' lusts, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies, and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of Yehovah would have submitted themselves unto him. Their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied. So it starts off all nice, and it kind of has that and sad. <laughs> but, and, and we're suffering the consequences of all that, that Israel's disobedience in the exile today. So that's why it's so important now that we're, we're turning back to God's commandments and instructions and his festivals and coming out of our old ways and our lifestyles so that we can be a people prepared for him when he returns to be able to rebuild his kingdom. And so that's what's going on. Part of why some of the commentators have thought this has to do with this festival has to do with um, Passover is because it goes on afterwards and it talks about them coming out of Egypt and burdens. But it's the new moon, the only festival where they're blowing the trumpet in the new moon is the uh, Yom Teruk, which we just celebrated. And it has to do with going back to Egypt and God bringing them out. But it's all about him bringing them to the mountain to give him his covenant. We're going to read that. And to make the covenant with them. And so um, it's, it's a festival that we're really not instructed much about. A lot of this, I believe God, um, uh, about, the Bible assumes that you understand the culture biblical culture. It doesn't stop and explain everything for you point by point like we live in our society today. It assumes that you're living in this culture, that it's a fabric of your life, and so it takes for granted that you understand what Yom Teruah means and understands. We come to it and we read it and we're like, okay, we're supposed to blow trumpets. Cricket, cricket, you know, nobody has any idea what in the world that means. And, um, you know, we're used to decorating our houses and certain meals and, you know, a, a fluffy sweater and what, I, you know, different things and everybody getting together for family and <coughs> grandma's or grandpa's pecan pie or waiting our, and the Bible doesn't have any of that. It's not about us, the, these festivals. The festivals are about turning ourselves away from ourselves and focusing on being thankful to God for all that he has done and providing for us and reminding us of his purchasing us out of Egypt, his saving us, his taking us as his firstborn son, as his, as Israel's bride that he weds himself to, and then the covenant that is struck with him. And so it's all about that. It's, it's really completely different from our image mentally of holidays. And so that's why we find it very hard to relate to these holidays. So if we go to Leviticus 23, verse 23 through 25, and Yehovah spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, that's this month, today's the second day of that month, in the first, is it? No, it's the third day. Third day? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. In the first day of the month shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yehovah. There it is. Go through it. <laughs> and so we're like, what in the world? Okay, we're supposed to blow trumpets, and that's about it. It's like the new moon. That's really about it. 
Yeah. The reason for it is, it's, it, like I said, it's a call to attention. It's a call to remembrance and preparation. If you were a man, you'd hear that sound of shofar in the seventh month, and you'd know it exactly what it meant. And you'd be preparing your home and preparing everything to in your harvest, because it's the harvest season. And you would be getting ready. You had two weeks' time to get yourself down to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem for eight days to celebrate the festival of Sukkot and special offerings, and you build your sukkah down there, and you camp out in your sukkah for the whole week. And so it was a very festive time, a very exciting time. And as the sound of the shofar would ring across all the country, it would, you know, change the whole mood, and they'd know exactly what they meant. It would bring to their mind what we're going to read: the covenant at Mount Sinai when God spoke to his people and he provided for them. And then we would be getting ready to bring our, well, there would be uh, Yom, the Day of Atonement. We would all fast in between and then we would be bringing our, um, our tithes, our offerings, and our sacrifices from the uh, crops we had grown all year. So, there's Yom Teruah. So, now, what tends to happen is I want to kind of go from a, um, I want to come at it backwards, sort of, from the end, back to the beginning. So we tend to go, and, and the way we're raised in our Western style thinking is we think, you know, if you come out of Christianity like all of us have, um, you tend to think, well, we were the church, and we don't do those things anymore, that was for the Jewish people, blah, blah, blah. What we need to understand and start to realize is that these things pertain to Israel. And there are only four God's people. Nobody outside of Israel was observing these holidays. It was only those who had joined themselves onto Israel. So if you joined in with Israel and you became part of the community and covenant, you would then observe these festivals and these holidays. So we tend to read passages because the Bible always starts with the very simple and the physical. Shofar blowing. What in the world does that mean? Or as we're going to find out, it brings us back to Mount Sinai. And God uh, and a call to attention and God making this covenant. Well, in those festivals, we later find out as we go through that the God starts it in the physical, but then He's going to use them as pictures for how He's going to work in the future. And so we know that He will return. I believe He's going to return on the Feast of Trumpets. There's some people that don't think that. Um, I think I think that is happen. And so we read passages like we'll go. You can turn to it if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, in First Thessalonians, or <laughs> so if you go to First Thessalonians four, and this is Paul writing, and in sixteen. He's talking about, um, let's back up and, and we, the, the, let's go to 13. For I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, but dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua did, uh, died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Yeshua will God bring with him. For this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of Yehovah shall not present them shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Jehovah in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Okay, so we read passages like that. And we say, okay, cool. There's this, you know, he's going to be a trump. Up, 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 you know, and that's going to come down. But what's really happening is it's, when, when people in that day and age that Paul was writing to would hear that, they wouldn't think trumpet like, you know, we picture um, uh, uh, British kings, monarchy, and trumpets, you know, and here comes the king walking down the castle steps, and there's the trumpet. Although that does derive from what goes on in the Bible. But what it would bring to mind is this preparing of God to communicate and to um, interact with his people in a covenantal setting. And so if we go to then to Matthew 24, another passage we read about this trumpet. For the coming of God and descending with a shout... No man knoweth the day and the hour. Um, that's another thing about when God will, will return. So if we go to twenty four twenty six, is it thirty six? Oh yeah, you're right. Um, where do we want to start? Well, yeah, 36. But of that day and hour, no man knoweth, nor the angels in heaven, but my Father only. For as the days of Noah, we're in 36, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man, blah, 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 blah. So he's talking all about when he will return. And then he says, no man knows the day and the hour. Verse 31. Yes, it does. And he shall send his angels in the great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. And that's not an original thought. It's an original verse, but it's not an original thought. We're going to read in Isaiah the same thing is talked about, the gathering of the exiles and the shouting of the trumpet. And so there's all these prophetic things that happen, and if you don't understand the festival of trumpets, feast of trumpets, Yom Teruah, this day of blowing, and no man knows the day and the hour. The reason why no one knows the day and the hour is because when the moon is sighted, you never know exactly if it's going to... We know pretty well nowadays because of you know NASA calculations and all this stuff, but even then, there isn't certainty to it. And they'll even say that on these high-tech government websites that, you know, it's it's that you can't predict it exactly. I believe because there's more controlling the celestial bodies and the movement of the earth and gravitational pull and electrical fields. Uh, there's more related to that with our behavior and how God interacts with us than we tend to realize because it's all electromagnetic frequencies and waves and fields. And that's why I believe it's, it's cause, uh, cause and reaction. What am I trying to say? Cause and effect. That's what I'm trying to say. It's cause and effect. If you disobey me, it won't rain and you'll starve to death. If you obey me, and it's not that God's up there saying, well, 
blowing the clouds away. You didn't obey. Sorry, you're not going to rain. It's not, it's not the, that Greek idea of uh, a pagan god. like we're all fed. I hate the Greek god garbage. Um, he set things into motion to work according to the laws of the universe that he wrote. And so when you obey, things work correctly. When you disobey and you don't follow the instruction manual, things don't work the way they're supposed to. And so this idea of no man knows the day and the hour, nobody knows exactly when the new moon will be visible. And there's other atmospheric conditions that play into the effect of whether or not it can be seen. And so that's why oftentimes we never know exactly when the moon will be sighted. Sometimes it, it may not be quite visible enough because you're just looking for a teeny tiny little sliver. And nobody knows exactly when, what hour, it's going to be visible either based on the lighting and when the sun sets and this, that, and other things. So that's that idea of no man knows the day and the hour because he's going to return, I believe, on this festival. And he's going to descend with a shout and it's going to, it's going to start this... Uh, these end time events, basically, or it's going to be part of all these end times events that are going to be happening. But again, we want in, in like Christianity, we want to take that and divorce it from being connected with Israel. These things only are are connected in relation to Israel and His people. You know, if you're not celebrating these festivals and observing these festivals, then it is going to be a mystery when he's coming back. And you're not going to have any idea. And so, um, and, and only his people are the ones that are going to be gathered. <clears throat> so my point is you have to be part of Israel. So we first have to see and understand that we're grafted into the commonwealth of Israel because we'd like to, like I said, take these things and divorce them from their context. Uh, but we have to understand that the context is God's people, Israel. Because again, it's bringing them all the way back to the mountain. But if you don't see yourself as part of Israel, and that those commandments, instructions, and covenants aren't for you, well, then neither is the redemption of his people for you, if you're going to reject all of that. So, um, let's go quickly to Romans 11. I just want us us to cover real quickly here, we're not going to get into all this, but that we are as believers of Yeshua and followers of, of him, who was the perfect lamb slain for us, and his blood redeemed us and brought us out of our own Egypt, blah, 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 that we are his people. So if we go to Romans 11, and verse 24 is our verse. Um, oh, uh, let's start in... Um, Let's go to So he's using the analogy of this olive tree. So let's start in 17. If some of the branches be broken off, and now, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and when thou partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well... Because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the good and the severity of God on them which fell. Severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not in unbelief, 
if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So he's using this analogy of those who are not part of Israel are in a wild olive tree, are grafted into the natural tree, which is the God, God's tree, Israel. And so you're grafted in by your belief. And so if you're grafted into this new tree, then you're going to partake of the root and the sustenance, and you're going to be part of part of Israel, God. So that's what I'm, just, I'm trying to get us to see there. Let's go quickly also to Ephesians chapter 2. verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, the, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua, and the good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Remember, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers for the covenants and promise. That's really important. We were, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Messiah Yeshua, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Messiah, for he is our peace who hath made both one, having broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh enmity, even the law of commandments, commandments contained in ordinance, or to make himself twain, one new man, so making peace. Where were we going through? Oh, I went too far. That's okay. Let's skip down to 18. For through him we have both have we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers, foreigners, and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Yeshua Messiah himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple unto Jehovah, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Amen. It's lovely, guys. There's so much in there, and it's so rich. My, but what I want us to see there is that we're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. And, and, and because of that, we're partakers uh, of the covenants of promise. And so these covenants of promise, again, go back to what was made on Mount Sinai, that we are his people and that he has redeemed us. He, he's given these, these festivals. And so this festival of Yom Teruah is announced at the beginning of the fall holidays, reminding us of what he did for us on Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Okay, so let's keep going. We're going to work backwards. Oh, excuse me, Isaiah 27. Go there. So keeping in mind that you know, no man knows the day or the hour, can descend with a shout, shout the voice of the archangel. Um, Isaiah 
seven and um, we'll read the whole thing. It's not that long. And uh, yeah, and, and pay attention to the context. In twenty-seven verse one. In that day, Yehovah with his sword and a great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan and piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that's in the sea. So the context here is this time of the day, the Lord, the end of times, doing all this judgment. So uh, keep in mind all that as we go. In that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, Yehovah, do keep it. I will water it every morning, lest any hurt it, and I will keep it day and night. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and the thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? In measure, when it shooteth forth, will, uh, thou wilt debate with him. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he maketh all the stones of the altars, chalk stones that are beaten and sundered, the groves and the images shall not stand up. Yet the defended city shall be desolate, and the habitation forsaken, and left like a wilderness. And there shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down, and consume the branches thereof. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it is a people with no understanding. Therefore, he that made them will have no mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. And it shall come to pass in that day that Yehovah shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship Yehovah in the holy mount at Jerusalem. So that's that verse I was talking about that relates to what talking about up in Matthew and uh, this idea of the gathering of the exiles coming back and this great trumpet being blown and it'll be gathering them one by one and uh, this all this him acting and destroying the wicked and breaking down the altars and um, him you know planting Israel back in the land and so all this has to do with again his covenantal promises that he made from the beginning. But if you reject those and say, well, that's not for us, we're not those people, then you're not part of those covenantal promises either. Or at least you don't recognize that you are. You need to. And so you, we have to look at what goes on in the New Testament from the context of the Old Testament and the prophets and what's going on because it's built on this whole thing to where when you get to um, the New Testament, you know, we end up, if you don't understand it in the, in the natural, in the physical things, what's going on, like at Mount Sinai, you'll allegorize something into some random trumpet that's going to be shouting when Yeshua comes back in the rapture and we're all going to get sucked up, you know. And it's totally unattached to anything accurate with the Bible. And so you start, you know, all these different weird theologies. Okay, 
So, what in the world does the blowing of the trumpet signify anyway? So let's go back to Exodus 19. This is where the first blowing of the trumpet happens. It's the first time we see it. And the way the Bible works, like I said, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop and explain why you're supposed to have this festival of blowing trumpets. Everybody would have known exactly what that meant because it was a foundational day in the establishment. It was the foundational day in the establishing of God's people um, in their culture and their laws and his uh, binding them to himself and them choosing to engage in, in covenant relationship with God after he brought them out of Egypt. And, and right on the heels of this, we're going to see, it goes right into the Ten Commandments. <coughs> okay, so we're going to read most of um, most of Exodus 19, and, uh, and then a little bit in chapter 20. So 19, verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came unto the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mountain. And Moses went up unto God, and Jehovah called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which Jehovah commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that Jehovah hath spoken, we will do. So they accept the term. And Moses returned the words of the people unto Jehovah. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. So these are bounding, core, fundamental things, God. They heard his voice. And Moses told the words of the people unto Jehovah. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today, tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready on the third day. For the third day, Yehovah will come down to the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. Uh, and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourself that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. You see that there? The trumpet sounding and the people going up to the mount, the presence of God. And Moses went down, I'm sorry, went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people when they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. 
because Yehovah descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, and Moses spake, God answered him by a voice. And Yehovah came down upon Mount Sinai, at the top of the mountain. And Moses and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. And Yehovah said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto Yehovah to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also, which come near to Yehovah, sanctify themselves, lest Yehovah break forth upon them. <clears throat> and Moses said unto the people, The people can't not come up to Mount Sinai, for thou charge us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain, sanctify it. Yehovah said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break uh, through to come up unto Yehovah, lest he break forth upon the mount. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. And then you get the Ten Commandments. And uh, that's in, in 20. And then uh, I want to go to 20. 18, verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood uh, afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that you may, that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And so, and then it goes on from there. But he basically said, you know, I am your God. You're not supposed to have any other gods. And the Ten Commandments, good setup. And so it's this foundational founding of his covenant his covenant with the people of Israel as a, as a corporate identity. And so this idea of the trumpet is uh, calling the people to attention and announcing this and getting their attention and uh, which then later on with the festival of trumpets is, I believe, call us back to remembrance of that day when God makes these covenantal promises and we all said we will hear, obey, and do. And that leads into then the day of atonement. Again, all pointing back to what happened with Egypt, which <clears throat> with the death of the Lamb and then Yeshua taking... Um, taking our sins upon himself, which is pictured in uh, the Day of Atonement in Yom Kippur, the goat for God and the goat for Azazel. And, uh, it's just all so cool. But if you don't understand the history of the people and what happened and what went on, they're not just boring old stories in the past and the foundations of what then God uses the, to teach us through the prophets and through the New Testament and what you know the Messiah was coming to do and what he'll, what he's coming to do again when he returns to gather his people back again unto himself, to cleanse them, and then to rebuild his kingdom. It's the same thing over again, basically. And, uh, but you have to understand what these terms mean when you know this descends with a shout, you know, the trump of the archangel and no man knows the day and the hour. So all these things are, are very important. So these are our holidays that God has given his people. We don't have any others. You know, we as the children of Israel grafted in, um, or we 
our natural broken off and regrafted back in. Either way, it doesn't matter. Everybody's grafted back into the natural tree. Because we were all separated by sin. You know, he's giving us now this culture, our culture that we're to live. And these are our holidays that bring us back to remembrance of Mount Sinai. God giving us his instructions for life. Keep us alive. Maintain us in the exile. So, yes, you and Ben. This is so interesting because, you know, when I got saved and came into Christianity, uh, you know, reading these passages, for some reason, I always flash back in my mind when I was in Bible school where they know me in those very hours, which is, okay, now we have this rapture that may happen at any moment. Right. Theology that, right. that kind of, I think, to some degree, grows out of that. But yeah. So, but what's encouraging for me is my confusion was, oh, it's going to happen any moment. But then I see, well, wait a minute, there's all these other things that seem to be building and culminating to a specific period of time. And so, with this explanation fitting in with what you talked about, why there's you don't know the time or the hour or what, whatever it says, right. it's because of it's connected to this festival. And then along right. with that. I always wondered, okay, here's the, now, we don't know when it's going to happen, but someday, out of the blue, somewhere, you're going to hear this trumpet. (laughs) You know, and and to me, some of this just, it never made sense, but like what you said, not having a footing in any of this, where do you go with this? Right, right. And so, you perpetuate what you've been taught, like I did in the ministry for 20 plus years, because you don't have any other basis on which to pull from. So, therefore... You know, coming into this, though, you know, my family knows I'm, I'm stumbling through some of these pieces. <laughs> but knowing now that there's a solid footing as to what you build your belief on versus this right. sort of cloud over here that you're inventing new stuff right. fit into right. your ignorance. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think the, the element, key element in it all is understanding that we are grafted into Israel. We are his people. So when you are those people, there, there isn't anything new that has been created. It's all part of his plan for his people from the beginning, which is related to his covenants and festivals. And so you don't have to build, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib theology about it all, you know. Just try to, you know, make dispensations. All right, close. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you for this day and again and for your word and for your festivals and uh, all that you teach us through them. I thank you uh, for this reminder of uh, uh, all that you did for us, bringing us out of Egypt and our own personal Egypt and then giving us your, uh, your word on Mount Sinai and it is the instructions for life that we can live by and uh, walk out and there's blessings in it and I thank you for bringing us uh, to another year through another year and uh, providing food and life and consistency and I look forward to the day that you do return with the sound of the trumpet and uh, reestablish your kingdom Choose the name I pray. Amen.
order or were there were actually people there blowing up Trump? No, I think it came from God. I don't think it was... Uh, I mean, that's what it sounds Yeah, I, I, I assume it was probably, probably an angel blowing up. 